بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الحمد لله in recent years within the finance sector all around the world we have seen businesses turn to Islamic teachings as part and parcel to contribute to the way a business is run and how Islamic teachings have proven research that in tough economics times, it is the best lessons one could learn and adopt. Within Islam, a business is not just based on trade and sales, it is also a model to help the community around them and to provide upliftment, which is sometimes forgotten in these tough times. Many of us read the Quran Kareem daily, but how many of us know that within the Quran, there are also lessons for trade? Today, we hear more and learn more from our esteemed guest, Mawlana Aku, about business in Islam and what we can learn from the Sahaba radiallahu anhum ajma'een that we can practice within our own businesses, inshallah. Mawlana, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to Radio Islam. Assalamu wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh to your sister and the listeners of Radio Islam. If we may begin by asking Maulana to teach us a bit more on this, uh, and that's going back to the basics. What practices can be learned about business in Islam? Indeed, we praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for each and every favor that Allah has blessed us with. And I think most importantly, we praise and thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the blessing and the gift of Islam that has given, that Allah has honored us with. And when we talk about Islam, we always talk about a practical way of life and a comprehensive way of life. And when it comes to the aspect of business in Islam, then all the rules and regulations pertaining to commerce and trade have all been taught to us in absolute detail by the Blessed Prophet as opposed to sometimes what you might find in the world where there's a segregation between uh, acts of between worship and uh, living in the world and uh, trading in the world and business when we look at islam we see that they both are tied together very very closely so like how a person learns how to perform salah and like how a person learns how to recite the quran and all the other injunctions of islam it, it it's a process that a person needs to learn how to go about doing it similarly when it comes to the aspect of business in Islam, then we also need to do the same. A person needs to learn what are the rules and regulations with regards to uh, uh, trading and living in the world. Inshallah. Um, we have many of our sisters who are also running their own businesses from homes, uh, teaching, tutoring, sewing, uh, food industries. Um, if you could please highlight for us the importance. Why is it important for each person to start practicing these teachings, no matter whether their business is just uh, one person running the business or whether they have a whole team under them and operating from a, uh, from a factory or a shop, no matter the size of the business, why is it important still for every Muslim to start practicing these teachings? I think the most important point that we can highlight there is simply because it is part and parcel of your worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's absolutely no segregation 
between worshipping Allah in terms of uh, ibadah and acts of worship that we are accustomed to and uh, doing business. When you look at uh, the virtues and the merits that the Prophet has spoken about with regards to uh, people doing business and we look at uh, the aspect of barakah and all the whole list, in fact every compilation of uh, hadith or narrations of the Prophet that you come across, there will be an an, an entire chapter dedicated towards uh, the rules and regulations uh, that pertain to business. So it, it forms part and parcel of your worship to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why it's important for each person to practice the teachings of Islam with regards to business, uh, whether it be formally going and acquiring that knowledge or simply just inquiring as to what are the rules and regulations when going about business. Because when we, uh, if you take the aspect of earning a living, then that has to do with a person complying with the rules of Sharia and ensuring that a person's income is uh, permissible, is halal. Not only that, but it's also blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that box is ticked, then that which you've earned is now permissible and the food that you would then purchase, for example, with that is also that which is permissible and the body consumes that which is halal and that is that which is in accordance to the teachings of the Quran and Sunnah. Automatically, that person whose body has been nourished by halal and his earnings are permissible and pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the acts of worship of that very same individual are now more entitled to be accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which reminds me of a narration of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, where he said, uh, and he gave the example of a person that was stranded in the wilderness, he had lost his provisions, he had lost his mode of transport, and this person was basically at, uh, you know, right at the end of losing hope entirely and the person started to call out and begging Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help and assistance and then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam further highlighted the actual state of this individual by saying that this same person that is now crying out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the food that he consumed was impermissible, the clothes on his body that he acquired was through impermissible means and basically everything was upside down in the life of that individual how would he expect his cry to Allah to be accepted when all everything around him or surrounding him and within him is sourced from impermissible means. Now that alone can give us an indication of why it is important for us to practice the teachings of Islam, especially especially with regards to business and to ensure that which we are involving ourselves in is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it is permissible, and we've ticked all the boxes with regards to the rules and regulations of business. Inshallah, inshallah. Ulana, could you tell us a bit more about the Sahabi Abdurrahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu? Who was he? A bit about him and how he, his personality, his, uh, his form of work ties in with this topic about business in Islam, please. Abdurrahman bin Auf was indeed one of the absolutely outstanding companions of the Blessed Prophet in every way possible. Firstly, I think one of the greatest accolades of Abdurrahman bin Auf is that he forms part of one of the ten individuals that the Prophet had given the glad tidings of Jannah to while they were living in, in this world. There were many companions that the Prophet had uh, highlighted them specifically as being people of Jannah in this world. But there was the famous occasion that the Prophet 
men mention 10 names one after the other that these 10 individuals are people of Jannah. And among those 10 is Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiyallahu anhu. He was also from one of those that had migrated from Makkah al-Mukarramah to Madinah al-Munawwara. And when you read about the life of Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiyallahu anhu, it's absolutely amazing of the different stages that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had taken him through in his life. With regards to uh, his upbringing or his early days, Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiyallahu anhu was born in a wealthy home. He was born uh, to parents that were quite successful. So basically he was born with everything on his lap. And then he made a huge sacrifice of moving from Makkah al-Mukarramah to Madinah al-Munawwara. When he arrived in Madinah, Abdul Rahman bin Auf a man who had grown up in luxury, a man who had grown up in an affluent family, reached Madinatul Munawwara with absolutely nothing. He basically started from zero, having owning absolutely nothing. And when he came to Madinatul Munawwara, there were many offers that came from other companions of the Prophet to assist Abdul Rahman bin Auf and one of the notable companions, Sa'ad radiallahu anhu, he said to Abdul Rahman bin Auf that, listen, whatever I own, half is yours. And I ha I'm married to two women. Whichever one of the two you choose, I will divorce them and you can marry them and this will be your start in life. And Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu declined this offer of Sa'ad radiallahu anhu. And he said, you know what, just show me the marketplace. I'll go and I'll make my own way. So the scholars tell us and the historians mention that Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu in the blessed city of Madinatul Munawwara began trading with just four dinars in his pocket. Just four dinars. That means an absolutely minimal, meager sum. He started trading. Mm -hmm. And then they say that if you look at the end of the life of Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu, he left the world in the current market value of 2022, or we already in the year 2023, but current day value that is attached to the wealth that Abdul Rahman bin Auf anhu accumulated in the time of the Blessed Prophet wasallam, the figure is pegged at $605 billion. So a man who started off with just four dinars in his pocket ended off leaving this world with a net value of $605 billion. It's absolutely amazing. It's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. Mm -hmm. And it stands right at the end of time, the amount of barakah and blessings that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had blessed Abdul Rahman bin Auf in the way he traded and the method that he applied. And it was just absolutely outstanding. You know, when you look at that figure, which is pegged at the current market value of $605 billion, they say that the current and richest man in the world is somewhere around a hundred billion dollars. But Abdul Rahman bin Allah who was on another level altogether and indeed he is the benchmark when it comes to this aspect of business and trade. Now, Mulana, we understand that Abdul Rahman bin Auf, something remarkable and amazing about him, and this is something we wanted Mulana to talk to us about today because many of the people in our communities unfortunately are faced with this dilemma. So Abdul Rahman bin Auf used to only deal in cash. It was noted that every deal he made was with cash, not with credit. What is the important lesson for us here? Uh, we know many of our fellow Muslim brothers and sisters um, are really in this trap, this credit trap. Um, why should we be avoiding credit at all costs? What does the life, the practical example, the humble example of Abdul Rahman bin Auf radiallahu anhu, 
uh, teach us? What lesson is there for us as Muslims about this whole credit thing? I think before we go into that, you know, the famous uh, saying in the world that we live in, they say that cash is king. You know, I recall years mm. ago, you know, you would walk into certain of uh, the supermarkets or the stores and then you would see uh, what you call it, a placard or a picture be- uh, behind the teller. And uh, there, there would be a picture of a person sitting relaxed with his legs up on the table. And uh, the caption would be that I sold for cash. And then you'd see another person that's like all stressed out and frustrated. And uh, the caption on that picture would be that I sold for credit. Obviously, the one that sold for cash is much more better off and has a big smile on their face. But then again, we also got to look at the practical aspect. Undoubtedly, when it came to Abdul Rahman bin Auf, radiallahu anhu, <clears throat> it is mentioned that cash was the most important principle in his in, in his business strategy, and he always paid cash for products and he sold them for cash as well. There was no credit deals that we find in his transactions. But then again, we also got to look at the practical nature of the world that we live in. The ideal hundred percent is to be what you call it to to avoid any sort of debt whatsoever or buying on credit. But if circumstance demands that, then we also need to look at what is the practical way forward. You know, this, this is like such a lengthy topic and you can go into so much of detail. It basically also boils down to what is our needs as opposed to what is beyond that. Fulfill your basic needs and, and continue in that way. Live a more simpler life. And if, if it means cutting down, then that's what you need to do to avoid credit at all costs but if credit has to be put into the system or there's no other option that a person has then that too must be done in a manner which it's only for your need that's it when we look at the vast majority of of the the, the challenges that we face in the world today it's not that a person had no other option but to turn to credit it's because of we were actually basically entering into what was way beyond our needs and and, and that's what mm-hmm. creates the problem and when you look at society uh, society and you look social media you've been bombarded oh this looks so nice and that looks so nice and I need to buy this and I need to buy that and marketing obviously is a, is, is a billion dollar so industry because it's all about enticing you to generally buy that which you don't really need so but the aspect of cash that's fundamental we need to come back to the basics of basically acquiring what is enough to fulfill our needs and what is beyond that if you don't have it and you can't afford it, you don't need to buy it. You know, the, the wonderful saying that we came across some time ago is that we buy the things that we don't need with the money that we don't have to please the people that we don't even know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's a very valid point Malana makes about pleasing, you know, buying to please the people we don't even know. And we hear of so many Muslims that uh, last year Ramadan we heard about it um, through our listeners. Again, already this year we're hearing about it, people who are going to unnecessary expenses to just keep up with whatever preparations, whether it's the foods, the different fancy new foods that people are making for Ramadan, or whether it's buying for Eid, uh, clothing, etc. That again, we may not be able to afford and we are just doing that because everybody else um, um, is, 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 is doing that as well. Uh, Mulana, coming back to um, Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu, um, you know, we understand how honest he was in his dealings to the point where he would never hide a defect of a product. And in return, this earned him great respect. Uh, in Islam, why is this such an important point to mention? And how does honesty play a part in business dealings? 
honesty comes into the aspect of you securing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's blessing in any transaction. You see, sometimes we get carried away with, with figures and we look at numbers and we assume numbers to actually be profit and numbers to actually be loss. But we don't realize that there's something far greater that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has blessed us with in Islam and that's the concept of barakah and blessings. When it comes to honest trade and when it comes to being transparent, especially with regards to flaws or deficiencies that might be in a particular commodity. You might hide it today thinking that you've gotten away and you've made an extra buck, but you've actually made the transaction devoid of divine blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So you might think you made a lot, but actually you've robbed yourself when it comes to the aspect of barakah by highlighting what would be the potential defect or deficiency in a commodity that you're selling. That might bring you less money, but it will bring you the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which you desperately need. And you know, when it comes to the aspect of barakah as well, some time ago I spoke on that just as an independent topic. And the scholars very beautifully divine, they very beautifully explain what is the basic definition of barakah. If you ask any person what barakah means, they'll tell you blessings. But what is the definition of it? What does it really entail? So the scholars tell us that barakah is actually something which might seem less but is actually more and something that will will bring you more benefit than it would have brought you had there been no barakah attached to it. So a simple example, you take a hundred rand. Take a hundred rand that has added to it Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's divine blessing. So a hundred rand with barakah will perhaps take you a longer way than 200 rand would take you that is devoid of barakah and blessings from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it goes a longer way than it would normally go. It has more benefit than it would normally have because it has blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala attached to it. It's as simple as that. It's not about what you have. The question is we need to ask ourselves how much of barakah have we managed to secure in every aspect of our life. Even if you take the aspect of time, some people are just blessed with barakah in their time. And in one hour, they manage to do so much more than another person would manage to do in a whole day. And then you wonder, how is that possible? It's a simple question of, do we have divine... Can Molana, is Molana able to hear us? Okay, alhamdulillah. Uh, Molana, we want to focus a bit on the Muslim-owned businesses. So if Molana could take us through that a bit, please. Uh, the importance of Muslim-owned businesses giving back to their community, using their wealth to help with da'wah, you know, with Ramadan coming up. Any advice, any inspiration in this regard, please? Well, this is also very important. Again, we go back to the job. They come the time of the Prophet of Allah and throughout the 14 years of Islam, you'll find that uh, when it comes to the businessmen and their contribution, it's been absolutely amazing and outstanding. Right till this very day, you take at the time of the Prophet for example, there would be expeditions, whenever, whenever there would be a need, whenever there would be a situation that demanded it, the Prophet would encourage uh, those blessed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in part, uh, would wealth in whatever way would serve to come forward tribute and you look at uh, verses of the Quran Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spend from constantly those that Allah has blessed give back from subhanahu benefit others the aspect of person being blessed with really has a hidden message charge of sustenance Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala strategically 
give a person a little more than he would give to others simply because other people <clears throat> are now put in your hands. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes you in a benefit to others. But as I said, when it comes to the 1400 years of Islam, you take all of communities, you take all our majid, you take all our madrasas, because the backbone that yes is the people started it but that funded it contributed towards it. The, the the rewards for them are absolutely amazing. In South Africa for an example, every town you go to you find the masjid, there's a house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, they are institutes of learning and teaching. It is the communities, it is the businessmen that have uh, given this great legacy to the, the, the Muslims and, and benefited the Ummah. So that plays a very vital and very important role. One of our senior scholars, Alhamdulillah, just about a week ago, he mentioned that if you take two aspects of any community, and the scholars or the ulama, as we say, businessmen, they are perhaps the most important and integral part of any community. Any one of those two have to lose direction or vision, the whole community is actually at risk of uh, losing out and being in a problem. Mm -hmm. So if the scholars are upright and the scholars are doing that which is uh, their duty, then it will be of benefit to pity. But it's not enough because you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as blessed with the means to be part and parcel of that whole process for an, for an entire community to benefit. So the role of businesses, any community or in Islam, something that we, we can never stop stressing about how important it is without them. Would be uh, it would be absolute disaster and, and, and it would be really challenging. So obviously, we place on record visions of all throughout time to uplift the community. Most definitely, that will be a successful community and ultimately a successful ummah. May Allah make us from them. Amin. Mawlana, as we get closer to the month of Ramadan, um, what would Mawlana's nasiha or advice be to us, to our listeners? in light of um, Islamic business and halal honest business trade. Um, any additional words that Molana wishes to share with us, please? Coming close to the month of Ramadan is indeed another great milestone for each and every one of us as individuals. And when we, and as we get to the build-up of the blessed month of Ramadan, we need to start preparing ourselves to do the best that we can in terms of receiving Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. I think first and foremost, let us all remind ourselves of beautiful dua. Allahumma barik lana fi raqba wa sha'ban wa baldighna Ramadan. O oh Allah bless us in the month of Rajab and bless us in the month of Sha'ban and make us reap of Ramadan. The blessed month of Ramadan is indeed an opportunity to maximize blessings in every aspect of our life. Uh, you know, since the topic is about business, I recall uh, a dear friend of mine, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the highest of stages in Jannah, he has passed on a few months ago. But I remember clearly he, he would always highlight this to me. When it came to the month of Ramadan, this particular individual would only work for basically just a few hours in the day of the month. He was a motor mechanic, he would service and fix vehicles. And in Ramadan, he would work just till Zohar time. From after Zohar, he would be in the masjid every day. One day, I asked him, you know, a very one, are you comfortable? Are you managing? It was amazing is that mm. brother told me, he said, in my practice for the last so many years of my life, of working only for half the day in the month of Ramadan, but he said, what I find truly amazing is that I'll show it to you on paper and, and in figures that Allah gives me more barakah and blessings in my earnings the month of Ramadan than any other part of the year. Now, it might not be practical for every person to actually lessen their working hours or their, their, their load or their schedule for the month of Ramadan, but there's one thing that we can 
Mundo. Focus on this aspect, maximizing baraka and blessings in front of Ramadan. And honest you are and the more transparent you are, these are ways of you maximizing baraka. But also don't forget, came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the blessed month of Ramadan. And he say that he was generous in a wind that will blow. And Paul has explained the analogy. That what 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 was the, the the rationale behind using the example of wind? When wind blows, it basically goes through everything. Sometimes even the door is closed, but there'll be a small gap at the bottom of the door, and it's windy outside. The wind will pass through that small gap. It leaves nothing in its path. It basically benefits everything. It will go through the entire atmosphere. That was the generosity of Allah Wasallam. Everybody gained benefit from it. Month of Ramadan is also a time for us to give in and give the more you get the blessings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you secure for yourself. Inshallah. Ameen. Jazakumullah khair Mawlana for joining us today on the program for giving us such um, helpful information and really inspiring us bringing alive for us the story of the Sahabi Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu and for giving us him as an example that um, if we are seeking halal trade if we are seeking not to be involved in avoiding credit as best as we can um if we are seeking to make our deen and make Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the focus and center of everything, um, and that earning that halal risk is such honor, um, and it, it, that itself is such a ni'mah from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and plenty of helpful tips for all of us, whether we are small business owners, startups, entrepreneurs, or established businesses, I think we can all take benefit from this, and um, it reminds us and makes us grateful and appreciate the beauty and the the uh, you know, comprehensiveness of our Islam, our deen that gives us all the answers, that gives us the solutions we need, uh, the guidelines we need, even when it comes to our businesses. Jazakumullah khairan maulana, and we make dua that it is a blessed Ramadan for you, your family, your students, and your community as well. And we request your duas for all of us at Radio Islam, inshallah, please. I mean, and we, we wish the same for all the listeners, inshallah. May, may each and every listener have a wonderful, beautiful, blessed month of Ramadan. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant each and every one of us divine barakah in every aspect of our life. I think just one point to end today's program is that like how when a person recites Quran, he gets reward. And like how when we perform salah, we get reward. And like how when we fast in Ramadan, we get reward. For a person to indulge in business is also rewarding by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is sawab attached to every transaction. But like how the sawab attached to every transaction if it is not done in a manner which is in accordance to the sunnah and uh, the teachings of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, or if it goes against that, then like how you get a reward for trading, a person could also be penalized for that very same state. May Allah grant us the understanding, inshallah. Ameen, ameen. Jazakumullah khair, Mawlana. Jazakumullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Alhamdulillah, we have been hearing from Maulana Ahmad Aku of Peter Maritzburg from Madrasa Farheer Al-Quran on the topic of Islamic businesses, Islamic business practice and what we can learn from Islamic history. Maulana shared with us more on the Sahabi Abdurrahman bin Awf radiallahu anhu and the lessons we can learn from the way in which he practiced um, his business and his dealings. Maulana gave us some wonderful nasiha for preparing for the month of Ramadan and uh, reminding us how important it is for us as Muslim-owned businesses to give back to our community, to use our wealth 
to help with Dawa. At the start of the interview, Molana also laid down the basic principles for us, the principles on um, what are the practices for business in Islam and the rules that are prohibited by Quran and Sunnah when it comes to trade that we need to keep in mind. Overall, very comprehensive and we encourage you to share the podcast to this program with others that they can benefit as well. We know we have many sisters now as well who have their own home industries and businesses from home, entrepreneurs, startups. And as Molana said, as we have um, guided guidelines on how we pray our salah and fasting, so too do we have guidelines on how we have our business and how we run our business and that income that needs to be halal because that income then affects every other part of our lives. What we eat, what we consume, um, how we house or shelter ourselves and ultimately it affects our ibadah, what food we eat, what we drink, what how we clothe ourselves, all of that affects our ibadah and our connection and obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us that awareness. Ameen. That brings us to the close of another edition of the program. And we look forward to joining you again next week as we continue our Ramadan focus, getting our hearts and minds ready for Ramadan, the mindset, but also when it comes to our businesses and how we can ensure that we are preparing for this month of taqwa, not just for Ramadan, but always. And if we haven't begun with that, uh, that, that preparation, may we begin today. May Allah grant plenty of barakah in everyone's time, effort and intention. Insha'Allah. Ameen. Until we meet again next week, Jazakumullahu khairan for listening in on this week's edition of the program. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.